Hi, Liz. Hi. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. This is going to be a really, this is going to be really great for these illustration students to, to speak with you and get to know you, um, have you answer some really, really good questions for us. So thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. So uh, Liz is an illustrator and Liz, how you, if you would just give us a background, um, who you are, what you do. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm trying to get better at this because <laughs> I'm one of those artists who likes to do everything and I keep trying to hone it down. So <laughs> I'm going to give you guys like the new and improved version which is I'm a illustrator, hand letterer, and service designer who makes art for greeting cards and fabric and other stuff. And other stuff is the last and other that. stuff that needs to be improved a little bit. But. Yeah. How long have you been an illustrator? So I kind of started dabbling in like digital type art in 20. 17 ish, I think 2018. Um, but I've been in fine arts. Mm -hmm. Um, I started in college in fine arts in 2004. So I feel like I had like the structure of it from the start, but then like digital art is just a whole other animal, um, with different rules and different tools. And so there was a lot to learn for sure. So you started in, in college in fine arts, mm -hmm. and then eventually you transitioned into digital. Is that where you feel like you really began your career? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it was weird because I started in ceramics. Like I was hundred percent sure I was going to be a potter and I kept drawing stuff on pots and my professors <laughs> kept telling me you can't do 2d on 3d. Oh. I was like, why, why all I want to do is 2d. Well, they're like, we'll go do 2d then. Um, so there's always this battle of like, I loved pottery and sculpture and I wanted to make pots and I wanted to have that like romantic, like a pottery studio in the woods with the oh, yeah. smoke billowing out of the kiln and the, you know, all it's those things it is. And I still love clay. Um, but it's very heavy and dirty and it it doesn't do like what you think it will in the end like right. I was just listening to Georgia O'Keeffe's uh, um, biography and she said I don't like clay because it does what it wants I like paint because it does what I want oh, and like wow. that's so true like it clay is. changes in the kiln and like you bring it out and you're like that's not what I put in there so I just got tired of that. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm a controlling artist. I want to control the result. So I um, kind of discovered digital art after um, I could see online that people were taking their watercolor paintings and turning them into patterns. And I was like, right. how do you do this? How do you do this thing? I've got all these watercolor paintings. I just want to turn it into a pattern. And I found a lot of people were doing that in Photoshop. And this was like 2017. Um, and so I started learning, how do you do that? How do you make patterns? And then I realized, oh, most people make patterns like digitally, not with just watercolor paintings. So that kind of started the whole rabbit hole of like, what's digital art? How do you do it? What device do you need? All that stuff. <laughs> right. Well, and in 2017, it was probably pro was procreate coming. Was it, it was going strong then, right? 
by, I think when I got the iPad, I remember having trouble finding a lot of tutorials. Like there were a few out there, but I just had this feeling like this is going to blow up and yes. like, and there aren't any classes yet. And like, this right. is, this is like an opportunity for yeah. somebody. Why not me? <laughs> exactly. Well, and what you're known very widely for your design classes, your hand lettering classes on the iPad, mm -hmm. um, you are very well known for your procreate tutorials. I mean, I think almost everybody I know knows who Liz Kohler Brown is when that's so you funny talk to about, me. <laughs> when you talk about um how I really need to learn how to do this lettering thing and they're like oh yeah just go take Liz's class and for you so did you draw did you design service pattern did you design your work before or did you kind of like in sync do classes and draw how did this how did your career you know start in 2017 with a digital what did you do and then how did you move forward and I know you do teaching too so mm -hmm. how does that all work how did that all go yeah so I started teaching ceramics because that's what I knew um I and then ceramics. I taught yeah me too <laughs> and then I, when I kind of fell out of love with ceramics and I want to tell this story because I know there's a lot of people in this group who are in college and are in that like precipice of like, I'm about to get dropped out of college after I graduate. And then mm -hmm. what's the world and what do I do? Um, so I really felt that when I graduated, um, I was like, number one, I don't like clay anymore. Number two, you can't make money with clay. Number three, I can't find a studio um, I have to get a normal job. And like, I got a normal job. Like I worked a nine to five, like in an office, normal stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I like, I quit making art for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I needed this like reset period of like, okay, what do I really want to do? Um, and that's when I started looking at like painting watercolors and making digital art, but that was like two years before I ever started doing it. So like, I like to tell that because it's like, why are, is that there that two years that you're waiting? What are you waiting mm -hmm. for? You know, like just do it now. Um, so I went through that period where I was like, I want to do surface design. I want to make patterns. I want to get an iPad, but no, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. And it's like, what are you waiting for? Like mm -hmm. time is flying by at the speed of light. Um, it does. So and especially when you're working, like when you finish college, if you have mm -hmm. to get a normal job for a while, like time just melts when you have a job like that and you look up and you're like, it's been three years. Yeah. And I, it was about three years that I worked like a desk job and my husband and I like sat down one day and we're like, we don't like this life, <laughs> like what this life is right now. We don't mm -hmm. like, so like we need to change something. So we decided to like sell everything and move to Thailand. And like, that was including like all my art supplies, everything, like wow. we dumped it all. We took backpacks and like, that was it, uh, which is kind of like for an artist, it's kind of scary to like, let go of all your art supplies. Cause you feel yeah. like you're letting go of everything, but we were, um, we just needed it, you know, yeah. like you get to a point in life where you're like, okay. I can do this. I remember looking at like how much, how long I would have to work 
at that job for my loans to be forgiven by the government because it was a nonprofit. Yeah. I was like, I only have to work here for 10 years and then the government will forgive my loans. And <laughs> that's not bad, right? Yeah. I'm like it was bad. Like I hated it. Uh Um, so the idea of like going to Thailand and traveling and just having my iPad and like drawing and making stuff. And Uh I had started a spoon flower shop and started like making little patterns here and there just by like drawing little things and like putting them together in Photoshop. Um, it was like really freeing to just have that one device because I mean, I love paints. I love all the little brushes Mm -hmm. and all the things, but like, I think I just got overwhelmed with all the stuff and all the options. Whereas like having just the iPad, like really narrowed it down for me. It's like, okay, I can like draw shapes in this little box and then turn them into repeat patterns. Um, I don't know how far you want me to go with the story, but basically we, (laughs) we started making repeat patterns for our spoon flower shop and that just started producing passive income for us. And we were like, right. Oh, like, you mean you can draw little things on your iPad and put them on the internet and then people will give you money for them? Like, that's a job. That's a mind-blowing thing yeah. to discover after working a nine-to-five job that you hate and being like, yeah. I can't continue living this way. But it's incredible. like, you mean I can just draw and then people yeah. will just send me money? Like, this is insane. <laughs> Major light bulb moment. Yeah. And I think, you know, I love this. I love that you just had your iPad. I didn't know. I didn't know that. I think that I think sometimes when you just limit yourself to just the bare minimum, sometimes brilliant things can happen because you just mm-hmm. cut out all the noise. And so I love that so much. And your iPad did big things for you. So after you started making money on spoon flower and the light bulb started kicking in how like what happened next so i i discovered skillshare and i realized like i had been teaching for years i taught ceramics i taught art and design at a college i taught um english as a second language for immigrants and refugees like at night after my day job for like four hours a night, like Mm -hmm. 40 people in the room, all different language levels, just like, like just crazy kinds of teaching where, you know, kids camps. So I felt like super comfortable with teaching. And so when I discovered Skillshare, I was like, you mean you can like do a screen (laughs) recording of a thing that you do on your computer and just upload it. And then people watch it and send you money. Like that just sounded crazy to me. Cause I was like, I mean, as an art center teacher, which was what I was doing at the time, making, I don't know, $15 an hour. Right. And then if the students don't show up, they cancel it. Mm-hmm. If they forget to order the material, like the way you're treated is just like, yeah, you, know, you might as well work in McDonald's. on that too. Yeah. 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 So um, when I discovered Skillshare and I realized like I can make these classes and I can make artwork for them, which all I want to do is make artwork. So that's like a vehicle to help me make more artwork. Right. Um, I uploaded one or two classes and like a few people watched it and I was like, who are these people? (laughs) Who are these people in the world just watching me? Like, this is crazy. And if I had any idea how many people would watch those older classes, I never would have made them because that (laughs) would be so scary. They're still so popular, aren't they? Oh my gosh. I don't want to talk about 
some of those early <laughs> days of filming and um but I kind of set up this cycle with my classes where like I designed a bunch of artwork and then I did a class on how I made the artwork and it was like all I want to do is make art like I just mm-hmm. want to hide and make art yeah. but uh, like most people I like money yeah like money yeah money we all like it you know we like to eat we like to you know wear clothes all those things so it's like I was really excited to set up this cycle of like I make a bunch of artwork and then I spend a couple weeks producing this class or tutorial about how I did it and I have just repeated that process for like three years and that's my formula make art teach about the art Yeah. And it has just grown. (laughs) It has grown so much. And even in the last year, you've created a new membership. So you're both on Skillshare and off Skillshare with your own platform. Mm -hmm. It's been amazing to watch. Um, You also license your artwork. So for the class, licensing is, um, well, passive income. We can talk about passive income. So what you're Mm -hmm. talking about is creating something and then you're getting paid while you sleep, basically. So someone watches mm-hmm. your class, you're paid for it. Licensing is similar where you put our work out into the world and then someone buys it and you get a percentage of that. So royalty. Mm-hmm. So this idea of passive income has been really good for you then mm-hmm. as an artist. And uh, so let's talk, did you have you, did you license around that time or did you, was that later? So I I kind of got into licensing accidentally. I didn't even know what licensing was when I started on Spoonflower. Um, I just like, we started uploading random patterns and like, let's do a motorcycle. Let's Mm -hmm. do some pugs. Let's do some, you know, just random everything. And um, at some point companies started contacting and saying, hey, can we use this on our kids Mm -hmm. blankets? Can we use this on our... Uh, you know, here's the contract, read it over, let us know what you think. And it's like, I don't know what that means. I don't know <laughs> what art yeah. licensing is or anything. Um, but I kind of learned through that, like what to expect in the contracts, what to ask for, what is and isn't like appropriate for them to be asking you for. What's the difference between like exclusive rights and non-exclusive mm-hmm. rights. And like, it was a, a learning process big time. And it was always in the beginning accidental. Like I just put Mm -hmm. my work out there and then random people contacted and wanted to use it. Um, these days it's very different because I've learned a lot about art licensing and I, I want it to be more intentional with it because what you realize when you get into art licensing is every time you create some artwork, it has some value for you, right? And the more places you can use it, the more value you can get out of it. Like if I can sell it to 10 different greeting card companies, when I make a greeting card design, I'm going to make a lot more money than if this one company wants the exclusive rights to it. So like if they want exclusive Mm -hmm. rights, they need to give me a lot more money. So like these days I have the pleasure of being more like intentional about it. And I go to the companies I want and ask, talk to them, try to negotiate things that I want. Um, so that's kind of like the evolution of it. Like, you know, I think most people start out in art licensing, just like hoping that anyone will contact them. And like, that's fine. Like that's a Mm -hmm. fine place to start is like, just get all the art out there, you know, like 
You don't have to start by pitching. And I think a lot of people think, all right, I, I've got 10 artworks. It's time to start pitching. It's like, I think you should probably make like 500 artworks and then take the 10 best ones and then start mm -hmm. pitching. Cause otherwise you're going to be getting these raw deals, you know, where it's like, we'll pay you 25 bucks and we're going to print 10,000 of them. Yeah. It's like, that's you know that's not good for the artists no. and there are those companies like I've definitely been swindled um there was one company that said we will give you like this amount of commission and we've sold these many so you can expect this level of commission and I was like hey that sounds pretty good for a pattern I've already made and I'm just sending you the jpegs um, they're like the only you know thing we ask is that you advertise it on your social media um, so I did that and then they took the, the designs off their site. Um, so it was like, they were basically just using artists for marketing. And then I yeah. started seeing them do that with other artists and it's like, there are those companies. So then I realized, Hey, a red flag is if they are requiring you to do marketing and they're being kind of pushy about it. Like that's a big red flag. So, you know, I think anyone getting started in art licensing you're probably going to make some big mistakes like that but like yeah. just keep an eye out for that stuff and um just make sure you're not being taken advantage of because I think companies are starting to catch on that like every artist wants to get licensed mm -hmm. and they're like we'll say whatever we need to say to get your art you know so you gotta just make sure it's like a good company who really cares about their artists yeah. And some companies are, you can really, I think you can really align with. And as long as you don't have to take every deal either, mm -hmm. you know, make a lot of artwork, share your work. And I think the more you work, the better, the more style will develop and the more mm -hmm. people will start to notice. Right. And cause you have a very recognizable style. And then, so you mentioned pitching. Do you, do you pitch a portfolio? I want to talk about style too, but did you pitch, do you, do you have like a portfolio or like a body of work that you send to companies now intentionally? I've never done it like that, where I have like a big set of a lot of stuff that mm -hmm. I do. I've always done it by collection. So like okay. whether it's a pattern collection or a greeting card collection, because I've just found that like the most successful emails are like super, super targeted. Yeah. Like, okay. Hey, you're a fabric company. I know what type of fabric patterns you like based on your other artists. Mm -hmm. Like I know what collection is going to speak to you. So I always kind of approach it like, Hey, I just want to share my new collection with you all. I'm so excited about this collection. I think that it resonates with your style and, you know, um, I would love to become an artist for your company and, so that it's like, I'm just sharing my new body of work with you. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people who create a portfolio and then they send out like a big swath of things. And I think that works for some companies. Like, I think mm -hmm. it depends on the company. Um, but for me, I just like, I just hate all my old work. Like if I made yeah. something a few months ago, like I already hate it. <laughs> it's that bad. And I don't want to like send it to anyone. Cause I'm like, I just can't even look at you anymore. So I'm one of those artists who <laughs> like, they always hate their work. I don't know why so it's funny. like, a, it's a curse. <laughs> the only thing I like is basically like whatever I'm working on right now. It's, and it's everything. It's exciting. 
Yeah, I get sick of looking at my work too uh, after I've like seen it a bunch of times. It's like, I'm ready to like move to the next thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which is funny because nobody else feels that way about, you know, they're like, I love that thing. It's like, I know. I'm already moved past it. Um, So (laughs) you, I think that's really smart. So I really, I really encourage portfolios because, you know, you need to be able to like, refine your work. And Mm -hmm. I also encourage like put out the work that you want to, to make, you know, if you're putting out old work that you're not interested in doing anymore, a different style or something, then don't put that in there. Mm -hmm. But I think what you're talking about is creating something that's very curated, which Mm -hmm. I don't think I have talked about to this class before I'm talking about portfolios and having a good body of work together. But I do that actually with my pitching is I look at each individual company and I find work that's current, usually very current and Mm -hmm. pick the ones that are the best for that company. Because I feel Mm -hmm. like if I can really align with them in that way and they can see that I understand, or, you know what I mean? Like I can see the alignment and I think it's good to be able to curate collections for different companies. Um, That's what I did with, that's actually what I did with cotton and steel when I pitched mm-hmm. them, um, did you recently, you came out with the fabric collection very recently. Who is mm-hmm. that been? Hawthorne supply co love Hawthorne. Yes. Love me Hawthorne. too. That's so me exciting. Too. Are you already working on a new collection yet? Or are you still kind yep. of in this one? That's great. I've already started. Cause as you know, like the process from like sending them the files to it actually being like on their site and marketed is Mm -hmm. really long. So yeah, I feel like I created, I don't know when I created that collection, but it feels like a year ago. I know. So long ago. (laughs) Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And manufacturing and sending to companies, you know, it does, it is a process. It's really Mm -hmm. fun to work with companies though. And I, Mm -hmm. I have found, I enjoy, I mean, there's, you know, there's the few that, you know, like you mentioned earlier, but, but really, yeah, but really it's, you know, this is such a cool way to work. Um, Mm -hmm. and different illustrators work different ways. So we'll, you know, we will be talking about different things. Like there's licensing. You could be, have an agent. A lot of illustrators have Mm -hmm. agents, people work in house. There's editorial illustration. There's all kinds. So, you know, what you do is, um, a lot of licensing, right. And you Mm -hmm. teach and then, um, that's just, it's just, I love it. I, that's the way I love to work because mm-hmm. you have freedom mm-hmm. to do what you want. And, you know, how, like, I guess that gets me to my next question. Like how, since I, I think it probably gives you a lot of freedom. How do you, how do you work in a day? Like how does your typical, you know, illustration work week look like maybe work day mm-hmm. look like work week look like, like, how does that look for you as an illustrator? Mm-hmm. So I just moved. So I'm kind of like redesigning my mm-hmm. whole routine. Um, but it usually starts with like a morning session of getting the most important stuff done, like emails, um, checking in with my assistant, checking in with customers who may or may not need something, making sure everything's running correctly with my membership, making sure my Etsy shop, everybody's taken care of. So like all the stuff I have to get done, I do that in the morning for Mm -hmm. three or four hours, just like, you know, 
knock it out because I can't, I don't feel creative when I mm-hmm. have like things looming over my head. Yeah. I'm the same. Um, like even just not having checked my emails in the morning or, you know, anything like that. I just, I have everything on my calendar and I only do the things that are on my calendar. Like somebody can't sneak in my inbox and be like, Hey, I want you to do this thing today. It's like, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't do stuff at the last minute. And like, that's part of that freedom that we're talking about is like, I have a limit to how many like boring tasks I'm willing to do in a day. And when I hit that limit, like I'm done, I'm not, I'm not adding stuff. Um, so I'm trying to get better and better about that because now that I have a kid, like I have to, um, be like really conservative with my time because if someone takes an hour from your day, like that's a piece of artwork that could have gone into my art licensing portfolio, as you mentioned, or Etsy shop or whatever. So I'm very careful about like get that boring stuff out of the way in the morning. And then I have a nice long lunch. I play with my baby a little bit. I, um, take a little break and then do some drawing or some kind of creative work in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, so that might be working on a pattern collection that might be, sometimes it's like filming a video for my membership because I consider that part of my creative work. Like my Mm -hmm. teaching is my creative work because, I learn so much from teaching. Like every time I teach something, I learn a lot. And so I consider that part of like my afternoons, like my education or creative time. So I might film a video for my membership. I might make an Instagram reel to show my artwork, um, new collection or something, um, or just, you know, quietly work on some new designs. So that's pretty much my schedule. My schedule is pretty tight. It's like 8.30 to 4. And then baby wakes up at 4 and that's it. Mama's on duty. Yeah. And I don't get any more time um, because I have a two-year-old. So I'm getting better at it. Like before I had a kid, it was, I could kind of just whatever. Maybe I'll draw on the couch at night while we watch a movie and like, yeah. There's none of that anymore. So I have to be like really careful about fitting creative time into my work day. And like, yes. it's kind of hard for me because I'm, I'm hyper productive. Like yeah. I like to just make a list and it, I'm super productive and get it all done. And that's why I used to be more creative at night because everything was done. Everything was out of the way. Um, but I just don't have that luxury anymore. And I have to like redesign my day so that I know I'm going to get that creative time. I'm the same way. I used to stay up all night drawing yeah. and yeah, but I can't do that anymore. I think when you, you know, like for the students, like if they graduate and they have a job and you have to kind of, you know, right now they have several classes they're working on, like you have to be able to structure your time and fit things in and it looks different in different seasons. Um, but a good solid work day as a creative with freedom to do like what you want in those times Mm -hmm. is really, really cool. And Mm -hmm. you speaking of freedom also, like you just, um, you don't even have to go into this, but like, I know you, you can move where you want. You can be where you want. You can work where you want. You can go on vacation when you want, you know, you get to Mm -hmm. decide your schedule. And I think that's one of the really cool things about being a creative, specifically an illustrator or a service pattern designer or someone who, you know, works and puts their stuff out, you know, digitally. 
So I love that. And I think that's really important for students to know that you can be very, very successful and design your own life and design your own, your own work day, which, Mm -hmm. and everybody works differently, which is another really cool thing about it is if you do better creative in the morning, you can do that. And I think between all the people that maybe we know, everybody works a little bit differently, but we all have that freedom, which is just really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to talk about marketing. So Mm -hmm. you are really, really good at this. Um, you are really, somehow you have figured out the internet. (laughs) Um, and I want to know just some really maybe simple because marketing can go really far. We Mm -hmm. could, we could deep dive probably, but I don't want to deep dive. I want to know maybe some really simple things that are good for students to know as they graduate, how can they get their work out into the world? Are there platforms they should be using? Are there things they should be doing? Um, what, what would you suggest? I would say like for someone just getting started with their art right now, I think Instagram is great. Um, it's a great place to be in terms of like your social media marketing, but, um, not a lot of people make money through Instagram, right? It's just visibility. So it's not the be all end all. Like for me, I don't go to Instagram unless I have a goal and somewhere to send them. Mm -hmm. So like if I was one of these smart people in your class who like already figured out illustration, which I wish Mm -hmm. I had done when I was in college, I, I felt so behind by the time I started yeah. Um, I would love to be like in my early twenties and just figuring out illustration. I think what I would do is start an Etsy shop. That's like very cohesive and like your style, your themes, um, and put your work out there, like mm-hmm. put your work for, for sale. And then when you're posting on Instagram, there's a reason, you know, it's like, Hey, new stickers in my shop, new art prints in my shop, new, uh, I just did a YouTube video about new something in my shop, you know, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, people love like artists sharing their process. And so you could have like a weekly share your process, Instagram reel. Um, right now I'm doing a test that's like only Instagram reels because Instagram's all about the reels right now. So I'm like, all right, if I'm going to do a post and only like 10 people are going to see it, then I'm not going to do posts anymore. I'm going to do a reel. So, you know, go, go with what the, the platforms are telling you they want because they control the algorithm and they control how well you're being seen. Um, so I would say like, obviously square one is like develop your style, develop something that is you mm-hmm. by just making a ton of art. That's the yeah. secret. Just make a ton, ton of, of art. art every day, all the time, constantly making art um, and then sharing it and, and letting people know that it's available to purchase. Like, I don't think every post has to be about that. Like, obviously people get annoyed if you're like, buy this, buy that, buy yeah. this. But if you're an artist sharing your process, sharing your work, and that's how you present yourself. And then you're occasionally like, Hey, knew something in my shop. People are going to love that. Um, so I think that's the secret is just like, keep it simple, like do the platforms that you can manage. You don't need to do 
Pinterest and Facebook and a mailing list and TikTok and like yeah I think people look at someone who's already out there in the world and successful and sees well they have all these different channels they didn't start with all those channels they started one um so I always tell people like master one and then if you feel like I have a lot of free time like then try the next best thing so for me right now what's really working well is Instagram and Etsy. Instagram is like awareness, you know, getting people to go to my website, getting people to look at my Etsy shop. And Etsy is like where they purchase my art quickly and easily. And it's becoming like an avenue for art licensing. I've already had two art licensing inquiries through Etsy. And I think a lot of companies shop Etsy. Yeah. Which is amazing. I'm starting to see I'm starting to see that people, you know, all of the dots connect online. So the more, you know, show up, start showing up and eventually you can show up in more places, Mm -hmm. but the more work you do, the more you show up, the more you're going to be seen. Mm -hmm. And I think consistency probably helps too. Do you think? I do. Um, artists aren't great at consistency. I know. I I always hesitate to tell you. (laughs) but I I mean in terms of like time I do think consistency is important like could you post twice a week like that that's something I would set as a goal like twice a week consistency great but in terms of like format like to tell an artist like okay once a week show us what you're doing in your studio Mm -hmm. they're gonna be like ew I'm struggling with that myself (laughs) I am I'm struggling with that myself Um, so I think maybe, um, I think maybe consistency for, for me, what I, what I probably more mean is like, just keep showing up, just keep Mm -hmm. making work. And it doesn't have to look like a formula because Mm -hmm. everybody's different, but at least you're showing up and at least you're sharing your work. Um, and don't wait too long, you know, um, cause you're just going to keep growing. And that's something I, I said in the beginning of this class was that what you're doing in 10 years is going to look very different from what you're doing now, but you're going to continue growing for the rest of your career, for the rest of your life. So start, you know, start putting things out there and then see where it takes you, you know, and you Mm -hmm. can just keep building on top of that. But um, we were talking earlier just about, you know, they can't, nobody can find you if you don't put it there. So even just a simple, you know, one platform putting your, I love the idea of Etsy so much and having something for sale. Mm-hmm. That's, I love the idea of starting there and yeah. then being able to push people from your social media to an actual place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people get scared of Etsy because they're like, I don't want to ship. I don't want to do customer mm-hmm. service, but there are many, um, like print on demand fulfillment centers now that connect so to your Etsy shop. And you can literally just put your artwork up on these mock-ups and they ship it. If it gets damaged in shipping, they pay for it. They send the tracking numbers. Um, So just because you're doing an Etsy shop and selling your work doesn't mean you have to become a print fulfillment warehouse and like you can't travel and you can't have freedom. Like 
um, for me, the goal as we keep coming back to is always, has always been freedom. Like yeah. that's why we went to Thailand in the beginning. Cause we, it was like a reaction against the imprisonment of the nine to five desk job. Yeah. And we were like, we just want to be free. Like you can go to Thailand and live for a few dollars a day and be free. Like I would rather have that and live in a shack than live in a nice apartment and, you know, yeah. hate my life. So I know. I think anything you can do to like build in that freedom is great. And, and that's what marketing is. It's a vehicle to build in freedom so that, you know, your marketing's working for you while you're creating your art. And like, I know artists hate marketing, like Mar yeah. artists are like, ew, I hate it. I don't want to sell my stuff, but like, it's um, maybe that's not as true anymore now that like people are into the social media culture. But when I was in college, like yeah. if you said marketing oh, to an artist, they were just like, Ugh, don't even talk to me about marketing. And like, as a result, I knew nothing about marketing when I graduated from college. And I think that's dangerous for artists because yeah. like then other people are in control of your life and your career and taking away your freedom. So like, if you can just share yourself authentically and like, Hey, I'm just an artist. This is my process. I'm keeping it cash. Like, yeah. here we go, guys. Like that people love that stuff. It doesn't have to be like fancy. It doesn't have to be, you know, the same format every day. Like, um, I always challenge people with reels. Like if you go on Instagram and create a reel, like every other day for a few weeks, mm -hmm. whatever format you want. Like, even if it's like just one pan over your desk and you're like, here's the art I'm working on today. That's mm -hmm. it. Like it can take 10 seconds, but like challenge yourself to produce these marketing pieces. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. And the more fun it gets when you're like, Hey, I did that. And then like 50 people went to my shop. That's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. I, I really love how this, we have an opportunity as artists these days to really show up authentically. I think mm -hmm. before we had to work really hard to be seen, which could really create some urgency and just, it was just a little harder. And now, you know, there's more places we can show up, but also we can show up more authentically. And I think it's really important that we show up as ourselves. And like I said before, there's, there's not really a set formula for, or you said this too, like how to show up. It's mm -hmm. just like, just get yourself out there. Um, mm -hmm. So marketing, yeah, I, marketing is a lot funner to talk about these days as an artist. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think it's worth, worth, you know, diving in. Okay, so as we wrap up, um, you may have already touched on this, but do you have any advice for these young illustrators that are looking to create a career of illustration? Yeah, definitely. I would say like, probably the number one thing you could do to like ensure your success is find a style. And I don't think it has to be like your style, like it's your essence of your soul. Mm -hmm. I think that's what people are worried about is like, I haven't found my style, like my everything. It just has to be a style that you like and you can play with for a while. Mm -hmm. So, um, like that might mean like a certain type of line work. Like everything you do is just a certain type of line work with a certain type of color fill and that's it. Or it might be a certain type of um, 
content. You know, I, I see some people who do it really well lately and they just find success really quickly mm-hmm. because it's like, you just, people want to follow something that they understand. Right. Yeah. And if you look at someone's account and it's this and it's that, and it's all over the place, they're like, I don't know if I want to follow you. Cause I don't know if I want to get just anything mm-hmm. in my inbox. Like I want to know what I'm going to get in my inbox. So like mm-hmm. the more clear you can make that for them, the more likely they are to follow you and purchase and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like, if you can set some limits for yourself, like some good ones are like color line quality, um, the format that you share your work, like mm-hmm. just having that consistency, as we already mentioned, consistency makes people want to follow you. Cause mm-hmm. if they're like, Hey, I like this. Yeah. I want more of that. Um, but if they look and it's all over the place, they're like, well, yeah, I like like one of those, but I don't know what you're going to put in my inbox. Like, how can mm-hmm. I trust you? So like s- developing that style and presenting it to the world is part of that trust building that you have to do yes, to get an absolutely. audience. And like, I think, um, it's the hardest part because people feel like they're yeah. making this life-changing decision that they can never go back on. But like you can, cause once you build an audience, you can kind of do whatever you want, yes, but you've got to get there in the beginning. So like, you've got to like build from the ground up, even if you feel like you're totally limited, um, build something cohesive that's clear to the viewer and not just all over the place, crazy, different mediums every day. Like, Uh um, people can't follow it and they're, they're going to be scared of it. So I don't know. I hope that helps somebody. I think it will. I, I really resisted. Um, and you know, I, I still use a variety of mediums in my work, but it, it wasn't until I found that cohesion that it started to really work for me as an artist with a career. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad that I found that. Be- and it's one thing that I wish I would have done a lot sooner, which was not resist it. And to really find that little niche, because I also, I love that you said like, once you build that following of people who love you and know you, and they want to see what you're doing every day. And they want to see what new artwork you have coming next. When you do come out with something new, they're like, Ooh, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. and what are you going to do next and they're they're involved in your journey as an artist and I think it's the same with companies too probably would you say which we can we talk about curating for them and everything but that's part of like they know what they're going to get mm-hmm. and you've you've shown them what they're going to get and that builds trust um yeah. so I I love that it's for me the one thing I wish I would have done a long time ago so I think that's great advice Mm-hmm. It it took me a long time because mm-hmm. I love experimenting. Me too. <laughs> um, but in the end, I wish I had just chosen something for a while and stuck with it because the experimenting, I mean, for a certain amount of time, you need to do it. Obviously, you need to play a little bit, but everyone knows their own personality. And like, if you're dragging your feet on choosing a style, like just do it. <laughs> yeah, that's I agree. Um, I have one more wrap up question that might be kind mm-hmm. of fun. I wasn't going to ask you about it, but I, I <laughs> wanted to was your hand lettering. Mm-hmm. So your hand lettering, did you start that on the iPad? Just wrap up question. Did you start that on the iPad? And like, do you still do a lot of that in your work or, um, 
is it just something you started with and then, you know what I mean? Like, tell us about a little bit about your hand lettering because it's awesome. I love lettering. I, it's one of my favorite things to do. I love words. I love coming up with little weird phrases for cards, like uh-huh. writing is one of my big side projects. So like to be able to integrate that into my art is awesome. Um, of course I started like everyone like super rough with my lettering and it was ugly and it was terrible. Um, but I just, I went so crazy. This is how crazy I am. When I decide I want to do something, I was like, I'm not only going to learn everything I can about lettering, then I'm going to write a book about lettering. (laughs) Then I'll really prove to everyone that I know about lettering. And if that's not enough, I'm going to write another book about lettering. Then will you believe me that I know about lettering? It's like, there's, there was some insecurity there. And so now it's funny because I like worked so hard to learn a lot about lettering, but now my lettering's really loose and handmade and yeah. fun. So like I learned all these rules and I don't even need them anymore, but that's the know, way to go. That's when that's you know, you know, you know, is like, I figured out all the rules. <laughs> now I can do my own thing, but you have, Pretty you much. have such, I love your lettering and I love your style and I love I love everything that you do. Aww, your color you. palette is beautiful. And I love that. I love when you can like see your cards and your gift and all the things. It is just so neat to see what you do at home. What is fun for you gets to like live out in the world on products yeah. and you get to make money and you get to, you know, play with your baby at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that's incredible. And it's just it's just a happy feeling. Um, and so I just, I wanted to end with that, like high note of hand lettering and illustration and just all the coolness that's that it, that it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You know, the love of your work is mutual. It's like, we have a, we both have kind of a texture thing going. Mm -hmm. So that's our bond. We have a texture bond. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, well, it's so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for speaking to the class. Thank um, you. It's going to be really, really special. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Bye, Liz.